here at JM and the AM Wednesday morning broadcast at JM and the AM. I mentioned earlier that Dr. Laz would be joining us. Dr. Laz is uh, David Lazarson, who in 2008 was inducted into the National Teachers Hall of Fame. He is uh, author of four books, Skullcaps and Switchblades, Sharing Turf, which eventually was made into the Crown Heights movie starring Howie Mandel as Dr. Laz. Um, his latest book is We're All Special Needs, a manual for educators and parents. And uh, Dr. Laz and The Cure is his multi-ethnic music band that has performed in a variety of places, including this past Sunday in Crown Heights, 25 years after its founding, uh, right after the Crown Heights riots of 1991. Dr. Laz, David Lazerson, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Rabbi Nachum. Great to hear you. How are you? It has been a while, to say the least. <laughs> Too long, my brother. Too long. <laughs> <laughs> Too long is right. Um, is is that accurate, that right after the riots is when uh, Dr. Laz and The Cure became a musical entity? Uh, it's close. <laughs> it's close. Um, we initially, I met with... Um, Richard Green, and we actually met at the Brooklyn Children's Museum about, oh, maybe five days after the riots started there. And um, it was interesting 25 years later to go back to that very spot for this uh, reunion unity concert again. Um, but initially there was, um, we didn't really have a music group yet. It was just getting together and trying to figure out what we could do to improve the situation in the community. Why him? So, Why'd you reach out to him specifically? What was his role or what is his role in the community at that time? Uh, well, I was kind of volunteered Uncle Sam style from <laughs> from the Hasidic community. And, um, you know, they knew me from my work with uh, the black community in Buffalo and, and uh, my first book, Skull Capital Switchblade. So I had actually seen Rabbi uh, Hecht on the streets there. Those were the, the days of uh, payphones. Do you remember those uh, ancient relics? I certainly do. <laughs> right? So he was at a payphone. I drove by, and I, I saw him pulled over, and I said, look, it, I've worked with the black community. If you need any assistance, you know, feel free. And um, two days later, uh, I found out I was selected to be the liaison from the Hasidic community to reach out to the black community, and I didn't know Richard at all. Uh, I guess the, uh, I think the mayor's office had appointed him, and the two of us met something like the, um, you know, in West Side Story, the Sharks and the Jets. Yeah. You know, where, where are you going to meet the gym neutral territory? <laughs> right. so we, we end up, you know, it couldn't be Yeshiva, it couldn't be Megar Evers College, you know, we ended up meeting at the Brooklyn Children's Museum. Um, so we really had no particular agenda. We didn't really have any focus other than let's try to bring some of our youth together because that's where we felt most of the issues were uh, and see if we could do anything to uh, you know to help out and so we really we started off with dialogues and which were kind of hot and heavy in the beginning and, um, and then we moved on from there several months later into uh, Playing basketball together, uh, having some kind of multi-ethnic type programs together, and then I just figured, 
you know, since I've been involved with music my whole life, okay, let's, uh, let me see if I can do something musically. And thus began, I'd say, several months after the riots initially started. Mm-hmm. Um, since we, we called this organization, uh, at that point, Project Cure, um, so I thought, okay, well, let's make the music group Dr. Laz in the Cure, you right. know, the doctor in the Cure, um, and and the rest is history, as they say. Dr. Laz is with us. How you have any clue how many people you touched or you and Richard together touched? I mean, obviously, you know, you play ball, so there are a few people on the court who are, you know, whose lives are enhanced by this experience of, you know, of of, of learning how to deal with people from other communities musically. You know, you bring together a few hundred people. They're having a nice time, hopefully, and you know, appreciating each other's, uh, you know, neighbors, so to speak. But collectively, you have any idea what type of impact the whole effort had in the aftermath of the riots? Well, I would say we've, you know, there's probably no way you can really, you know, accurately measure that. Um, Because we were, we went to um, many, many schools and community groups in those several years after the riots, up until uh, 95, 96, when I actually moved uh, down to South Florida. Um, but, you know, we were on all these TV specials and on ESPN and uh, on the Montel Williams show and, you know, kind of these national uh, programs where we got this. It really became more of a, much more of a national thing. It sort of went locally to nationally and even globally. There were many uh, film groups that came from really all over the world to film what was going on and um you know in a way they just couldn't believe it because i think that the media had portrayed particularly blacks and jews at that time as as uh as enemies right um, and we realized right from our very first meeting that that was not the case it was really i think based on you know if there was any negativity it was based on ignorance and uh, kind of a lack of communication, and so they really weren't these major insurmountable problems. You know, it was just a matter of, all right, let's kind of break this cycle. Let's sit down and talk to each other face to face, and um, and we just saw things really, you know, kind of take off. And uh, I, I get emails from people who I've never met who said, you know, oh, thank you for doing this and that, and, you know, not to me personally, but to, um, you know, to our efforts back then, and so I think there's no way to measure that. You know, we had a uh, uh, a float that was done by black and Jewish artists from the community that was in every major New York City parade for two years. Um, so, you know, you're talking from the Israeli Day Parade to the um, Labor Day, you know, the Caribbean Day Parade. So you're talking, you know, that there's thousands and thousands of people who see these things, and you know, you, you kind of never know um, where something positive, you know, just who it's going to affect right. and in what way. And yeah, I understand um, that. Dr. Laz is with us. The do, do you think Arc? And I know it may be more difficult for you to address this because you are, you know, out of town, so to speak, for for all these years. But I'm sure you're still somewhat familiar with the Crown Heights community. Um, from our vantage point, from the vantage point of the Jewish community, do, do you think this has had a lasting uh, effect? Do you think that the average Jewish person who is living in Crown Heights 
has a better understanding and more of a desire to live in harmony with others at this point? I mean, I, I think so. You know, it, it, um, uh, it it's an interesting question, you know, and, and it's, it's certainly got a lot of ramifications to it. But um, I think what we did back then, you know, the... Um, the Alter Rebbe wanted to call his Hasidim, instead of the word Hasidim, he wanted to use a term that meant lamplighters. Right. And so with our particular group, I always felt like we were the door openers, um, because literally that's what took place. We uh, we ended up taking our group and, and having discussions and playing ball, you know, at Meg Rebbe's college, where we play, you know, a place that I had just driven by and never walked into, and, and the other, and then they would come to... Uh, some of the yeshivas there to, to play ball, and so it, it um, which was really interesting because that was a real stereotype breaker. We, um, um, you know, they kept on saying we want to play ball in the yeshiva, and I, I was like, why? <laughs> well, well, because we want, you know, we want to see the place that has the golden, you know, doorknobs. Like, <laughs> okay, I could erase that, <laughs> and then then we get there, and um, you know, the uh, there's holes in the uh, it, in the know, court, and, uh, <laughs> on the floor, <laughs> and it's got these orange cones, you know, covering up the holes, <laughs> right. and the backboard has bolts sticking out of it. And <laughs> it was a great stereotype breaker. Uh, <laughs> but I think, like, that once we started and got the ball rolling, um, then you had other people and other groups who got involved and, you know, picked up picked up the ball and started started rolling with it and um so you have a lot more uh community groups and um who who are working in in this area you know and um to have kept these doors open these channels open so i think yeah the, i think the community is a better place what was this past uh, what was this past sunday like um there were a lot of people i was involved in the um we were asked to, um, you know, we got invited to come play at the um, the event at the Brooklyn Soldiers Museum, which uh, was not so much speaking, but this was really more like various music groups right. um, uh, from the community performing there. And so we uh, we closed out the show, um, you know, as sort of, um, you know, A, being this multi-ethnic group from Crown Heights, and then also being there from the get-go 25 years ago right. uh so it was just really nice it was really a uh a nice mixed group um lots of uh lots of jews were there and uh you know lots of uh caribbean americans african americans so it was really uh a, a nice uh, a nice event it was like a good family event you know a lot of parents with kids and um just i, I think you know just in general you know good good vibes and you know we were able to to carry on with our message and um throughout the years we've um so the music group has still been active and um I come into Crown Heights maybe four or five times a year we do some programs together wow and but as the music group is still uh we're still alive and kicking <laughs> <laughs> dr so. dr Laz is with us uh, you know it's every time we speak to you about this and we've spoken multiple times over the last twenty five years including including an appearance in studio that uh, uh, you and one of the uh, members of the uh, African-American community came in and really did a, an entire hour on this whole topic, which was quite interesting. It goes back a long, long time, obviously, in the right. aftermath of the riots. 
Uh, it, it always seems like it's a simple formula. It always seems like when Dr. Laz addresses this issue of communities getting along, of uh, you know, opening doors, etc., that it's a pretty simple formula. That Dr. Laz says, you know, simply extend your hand, so to speak, and and you'll you'll see the type of of warm reception you'll normally get, you know, coming back at you. Is it as simple as that? You know, I, I think initially for starters, it, it really is. It uh, it's just a, like you said. I mean, I think that's so well put. And it reminds me of um, a friend of a friend, like I, a good buddy of mine who helped uh, start uh, JDL back in the day. Uh, so one of his friends came into the Rebbe maybe a week after the riots, and he said, um, you know, you Lubavitchers, you don't know how to fight. You, all, you don't believe in love and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> and reaching out. So he said, I can arm the Jewish community here. I can bring in weapons, you know, and, he, and he, he meant it sincerely. That was a way to, you know, make the community safer. That's what he felt. And the, the Rebbe stopped him and he said there will be no, um, no violence perpetuated in, in this community and in my name. And so then this guy got upset and he said something to the Rebbe like, well, what's your idea to make the, you know, community, you know, like better or safer? And so the Rebbe said to him, it's very, it's just exactly how you put it, he said to him, say hello to your neighbors, like five words. And so I think initially it really is that simple. And, and uh, I remember we, I went home and I spoke to my wife after I heard this, and because he then told my, my friend who called me up and said, you know, he, he said, you know, I think your Rebbe is kind of naive because that, that was his response. So I thought, well, you know, maybe uh, maybe there's something there, and and then I thought about it more. There were uh, the block I lived on was probably 50% Jewish and 50% black, and there were several neighbors that I never ever said hello to in my life. You know, for all the years we we had been living there. And that's you, and, who tends to be a pretty magnanimous, uh, you know, outgoing figure. Yeah, you know, and I think it was. It was an issue of, like, I always felt that, you know, they were looking at me with kind of sort of this negative expression, you know. So I kind of internalized that. Instead of just, you know, breaking out and saying hello, I, I just never responded back. Like, okay, you don't like me? Okay, you know, fine. Yeah. I don't like you kind of deal. And so I remember going home and, and talking over with, uh, with my wife. And, you know, we both, you know, especially in the Chabad community, they're always talking about, you know, Mashiach this, Mashiach that. And I thought, hey, Mashiach's supposed to bring peace to the whole world. How about we, we try to make it work on our own block, mm. you know? You're talking, when people talk about, you know, global things. They've got to start right, you know, in your home. So I started saying hello to these neighbors. And who I, like in my five, six, seven, eight years that I've been there already, um, that, you know, I, I never had any verbal interaction with. And anyhow, the, I come home two weeks after, uh, after that, this sort of started, and my wife says to me, oh, you, you, I love how you bring it back to garbage cans by the side of the house. And I said, oh, I thought you were doing that. <laughs> it turned out, this, <laughs> turned out this neighbor who I said hello to, just hello, he started bringing my garbage cans back. And then this other neighbor started bringing over bottles of wine that they bought at the kosher store and started wishing us good Shabbos. And... So it really started to change the whole, um, the whole vibe of the of the block we lived on, 
and you know, and they would invite us over for like for their holiday parties and stuff. So you know, we just go in and say a quick hello type of deal. But it really did impact those just five words from the Rebbe: "Say hello to your neighbors." Because I think what the Rebbe zeroed in on was the, really the root of that problem, which, like you said before, is kind of a simple thing. It's not a big deal. It's just sort of this lack of communication. And, you know, here, I mean, the, the Talmud says, you know, be the first one to greet your neighbors. So mm. I would say uh, particularly it applies if you're living in a community like Crown Heights, you know, Crown Heights, where you have, you know, such distinct, visible communities there, you know, where, so, you know, it, it's as simple as just reaching out. And then, uh, we, then we had like a sukkah party in our house where we invited, um, you know, it was basically no Jews allowed. <laughs> we invited the, the non-Jews on our block and a lot of them showed up and, you know, and they said, we've always wondered, you know, like what goes on in those, you know, strange huts that you Jews have. Uh, and they never knew. And then, you know, it, it really was a, a much easier process than I thought. Unbelievable. Took some time, took some effort, but um, you know, yeah, I feel like you start reaching out, and then it comes back to you like tenfold. And now you're so well known, even outside of Crown Heights, for doing just that. I mean, the truth is, you know, obviously, if one reads your books, we realize that you had some of this in you even before these, uh, uh, you know, Crown Heights episodes. But I'm sure it had a big effect on you to, uh, you know, to progress more in this whole area and to just reach out to everybody at some point. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, again, I, I can't take credit for it. I think, um, uh, I, you know, growing up in Buffalo, even though my parents are not, like, uh, traditional, you know, they're very proud Jews, but, you know, they sort of don't really know any better. But they, um, you know, at that point in time, but they, they were on this, um, this community from the city of Buffalo, like where if people would come from other countries, for, somehow they ended up at our house for dinner. Right. <laughs> and, and I, I don't know how or what, but uh, you're talking from like you know Eastern Europe and from the Far East and from Africa, and, and somehow it, like once a week there'd be this some unusual guest you know from a different country. <laughs> so uh, you know, so it, I think it. We don't have to water down our culture. We don't have to, you know, it's not like we're um, compromising anything. I, I think it's, it's, you know, sort of integral components of, of what Torah is all about and what, you know, Yiddishkeit is all about. And, um, and it's, it doesn't need a big thing. You, I, I would suggest, you know, to all your listeners, and, you know, now you've grown, Baruch Hashem, you know, big time, so you're, thousands and thousands of listeners worldwide, uh, just try it. You know, you. Um, I remember going one time to uh, a place at a Shabbaton, and there were the, uh, uh, and it was some Jewish institution, and they also had, like, uh, issues with their neighbors on both sides. So I said, hey, why don't you try this thing of, you know, to say hello to them and, you know, may, maybe invite them to, uh, to some of your functions, you know, and, well, he said, well, yeah, but they're not Jewish. So I said, okay, so you invite them to a function where you think they won't be, um, you know, in, intimidated by it or, you know, something more a little universal. Right. <laughs> so like a sukkah is, is a kind of great method, you know. Right. And and so they did, and then the guy uh, contacted me a few months later saying that, yeah, the situation is like totally improved. 
You know, Reb Shlomo Kalbach once said on this show that he could solve the whole Arab-Israeli conflict. (laughs) So I said, how could you do that? He said, if if the Israeli government would give me enough money to go around and meet every single Arab, then uh, the whole conflict would be over. Now, obviously that may be a little, you know, pie-in-the-sky Pollyannish, but I think you know exactly where he was coming from. Yeah, yeah, so we're kind of... It's kind of kindred spirits, anyhow. Yeah. We we did, um, in fact, we actually did a uh, a unity concert with Shlomo. Uh, I believe it was a year or two after the riot, and uh, that uh, that was at Megarovers College. And I thought we had there was Richie Havens, sort of a, one from the black community, you know, a headliner from the black community, right. played at Woodstock, right. and Shlomo, and then our band. And I thought our band was going to, you know, sort of. Uh, be top dog over there, and but it turned out that Shlomo totally rocked the crowd. Uh, they started dancing in circles, and this is at Mega Rivers College. Wow! So, um, wow! I'm so yeah. glad. I'm so glad I brought him up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing! Yeah. That is amazing. Doctor Laz, you can check him out online. drlaz.com. drlaz.com. We're out of time, but I got to ask you: did, did the crowd demand a million encores on Sunday? You know what was awesome was it started raining lightly, and we were kept saying, uh, "Okay, side is our last one." And we finished, and they didn't go, so Woo! we kept on playing in the light rain. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Until we basically destroyed all the electronic equipment, but it was well worth it. <laughs> uh, and a big shout out to Camp Misora lads. Heard you had a good time this summer. Uh Misora rocks. Misora was awesome. Certainly, yeah, is. yeah, and we have, it was great seeing you there, and uh, you know you're a big part of the Masara family. I appreciate that. So we look that. forward to many, many more summers together. Kolakavo to you. What you did Sunday is uh, just the just another step in this incredible journey that you've led 25 years later. Thanks so much, Doctor Laz, and continue good luck. Okay, thanks, Holy Brother. Much love. Hatzlacha, only good things. Uh, Dr. Laz has uh, some great books you got to check out. Uh, documentaries online about his uh, amazing uh, life in the world of education. And in the world of increasing the peace, uh, like he has done in uh, Crown Heights over this quarter of a century, you can check it out online, drlaz, D-R-L-A-Z dot com, D-R-L-A-Z dot com. Wrapping things up on a a Wednesday morning, I want to thank Dr. Laz, who was there Sunday in Crown Heights 25 years later playing with The Cure, a multi-ethnic band with a very important message of uh, continuing to increase the peace between communities.